some people just aren't people pe- uh, people people <laughs> they people just persons. aren't yeah they aren't people persons <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Is Fitz Happy? I'm Luke. And I'm Emma. And today's episode, we're discussing Chapter 7, An Assignment. But first, we got some updates and some news to take care of here. So, first we want to say um, thank you to the people who have given us a review on iTunes. Um, there was a really lovely review left by Lauren. Um, so, thank you, Lauren. And I do want to thank everybody for the increased discussion that we've had on our Instagram posts. Um, There have been some really interesting conversations going down and and thoughts brought up about those things, especially from listeners who have read the translated copies. A lot of that discussion has kind of revolved around uh, the different names that people have in those copies. And it's really interesting and fun to, you know, find out what the uh, the translators thought would go well with that language. Yeah. Since we are dealing with um, a group of names that are, you know, characteristics rather than a regular name, it's just been really fun to see some of the differences. And in particular, we did get an email from uh, one listener, uh, Mile Foye. You know, I, I could <laughs> be completely butchering that name. I'm not even going to try. Yeah. And... It's Italian. I'm not Italian <laughs> at all. Uh, so I apologize if that's yes. not how you pronounce that. They sent us a really lovely email, um, which ran down some of the different names in both Italian and Spanish, because they are studying Spanish as well, um, which is so impressive as someone can, who can only speak one language. <laughs> Um, but it was just really interesting to see how a translator decided which way to go with translating things. There's a lot of good information in that email, but yeah. uh, I think it's a little too long to say in the full episode here. Um, do you have a favorite? Um, ooh, I think my favorite has to be that um, a beloved translated in... French is amour, but just because, you know, love, which is cute. But I guess also in Spanish, it's translated as tesoro, which is treasure. Um, and it's just like cute because I guess it's um, really cheesy and it's more of like a pet name. So kind of um, it says it's like if Fitz and the Fool called each other honey, uh, which I find very funny, <laughs> which is agreed. I also find it very funny that in Spanish they're giving each other pet names (laughs) and uh hopefully we'll have this post up for you maybe on our facebook because that's a little bit better for longer form discussions Mm -hmm. and you can see all of the uh the information there yeah so thank you again for that and thank you for everybody who has been reaching out it's been really nice to hear from others but without further ado chapter seven an assignment so the first Beginning part of this is basically talking about Queen Desire again. Mm-hmm. Um, straight off tells us that 
Queen Desire has died, but it doesn't really go into detail about when that was. We mm-hmm. just know it was at an end of a summer at some point. Yes. And I don't know if that's ever explained in the timeline at all in these books where she actually dies, how old people were, that sort of thing. Yeah, I know. I have a note here. Like, why are we talking about her death now? Is it just to, you know, talk about the difference now that we're going to see somebody else's death and how that's handled? Um Maybe. I think it's just as like a an end point to something because she's not talked about that much anymore, but she mm. is talked about in this chapter. But I don't think she's like mentioned that much later, is she? I don't know. I feel like it's weird that we first how much we talk about Queen Desire, we don't really ever get to see her face to face. No, it's never. not. Yeah. She's not a big major character in Fitz's life, but she's still always in the background kind of um and so it does feel a little weird to think about because in my mind queen desire is a kind of fleshed out character but all we get is secondhand (laughs) knowledge about her so right (laughs) i don't know she's she's deeply flawed and it kind of goes into that that she struggled Mm -hmm. intensely with a lot of addiction issues yeah um speaking on when she got addicted to one intoxicant, King Shrewd would kind of dissuade her and like say, no, this one's really bad. And then she would immediately find another one to go to. Mm-hmm. And that eventually led to her downfall because she just kind of upticked her use right before yeah. she died. And basically. stopped being careful about it and was, you know, yeah. mixing drugs. And there were rumors that, you know, people poisoned her, King Shrewd poisoned her or somebody killed her in general. But um Fitz in these writings is 100% positive that she's the only one that poisoned herself right. with these intoxicants and these these drugs. Yeah. And reading this section, it really made me wonder, how does she have any followers? Like, how are, how are the Inland Duchy people so enamored with her and her son after the crazy... Like, I don't think if you're on drugs and... Uh, and severely addicted to drugs, you act like a normal person. No. And so it would have to be obvious, especially if she's ranting and raving all the time in later years. But there's no social media. You'd only hear things through, you know, hearsay and stuff. And That's if somebody true. says the king is poisoning her and making her act crazy, you're probably going to believe it. I guess. It yeah. says in here that one would have thought that her excesses toward the end of her life would have disillusioned her followers. To the contrary, they declared either that Shrewd had driven her to self-destruction or poisoned her himself. Yeah. So they were still very ardently for the queen. I guess. I just, I don't know. It's weird. And we do see later that um, Regal is going to kind of go down the path of dabbling in drugs too. So that's an interesting thing to think about. But beyond that, we get to mourning for king-in-waiting chivalry. Yep. Um, Beric cuts uh, Fitz's hair really short. So it, short enough where it's not a buzz cut, but still bristling up. Uh-huh. There's not enough weight for the hair to lay it down. And he completely shaves his own head and eyebrows. Yeah. I didn't remember. Whenever I think about this scene, I just remember him like 
shaving his beard and head, but not also his eyebrows, which would have had to have looked really weird. Yeah. And I mean, we see that in the next couple pages. He's Mm -hmm. treated like a complete outcast slash pariah or someone that no one wants to engage or talk with him. Yeah. They just kind of ignore him. And it says he does his tasks and his chores and everything, but very mechanically and without any Mm -hmm. heart. And it also compares him to the forest men, which are never brought up again, never delved into further. But who are these strange forest men and how are they dyeing their teeth red and black? That's all I want to know. Stranger (laughs) even than the forest men who came to town with their hair stuck down with pitch and their teeth dyed red and black. What? <laughs> I'm sorry, who? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but I think the most odd thing about this form of extreme mourning to me was that um when Regal sends somebody to rebuke Burek, it's not that it's weird that he shaved his eyebrows and his full head, it's that he did something that is only reserved for a king and that that's the level of mourning you should go to if it was the actual king who died. And so it just is kind of weird to me that in this culture, I guess because my culture doesn't do this, but in this culture, shaving your eyebrows is okay if it's in mourning for the king. Yeah, it's a... I don't know. I don't think that's ever mentioned, really. I know they mentioned cutting hair off of people, cutting locks out of your Mm -hmm. hair and burning that in general as a a typical mourning practice in the six statues. But they don't really do the shaving part. Yeah. And hair is definitely important. Yeah. I think um, we it comes again and again. Every time there's a death, there's a loss of hair. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just found it odd that. When Regal sends somebody down, he says that was mourning for a crowned king, not a man who had abdicated the throne. Yeah, I mean, he was Beric's king. It's kind right. of a a reoccurring theme that a few of our characters take one of the royal family as their king mm-hmm. without them having actually be the king. Yeah. So chivalry was Beric's king. Verity is Fitz's king throughout the whole series, even before he's actually crowned, and who will always be his king even after his death. And uh, Shrewd is the fool's king. Because we see that later, Mm because the fool genuinely loves Shrewd for taking him in and making him feel like he belonged someplace and being nice to him. So it's kind of an interesting parallel, because I could see that if Fitz was in Beric's place that much older and Verity died, he would go completely like shave his head and, you know, do everything like that. I could definitely see that happening. Mm -hmm. It says that uh, it was as if Beric had died. A cold force animated his body, performing all his tasks flawlessly, but without warmth or satisfaction. And everyone kind of turned aside from him as if shamed by him. Yeah. Only Vixen was. Oh my gosh, that part was the, the saddest. Who did not forsake him? <laughs> yeah, but Vixen was—he was even ignoring Vixen, and oh, that broke my heart. Poor Vixen. Said she slunk after him always, never really like went away from him. Mm-hmm. Fitz reached out with the wit, 
and hugged her, and she was mourning with Birik. Yeah. Oh yeah. So that's a it's a rough like half to one page. Yeah. Just portion about Birik, and then time passes a little bit, but they still talk about how chivalry's death and the mourning is taken by the whole castle. Yeah. And it says that those who truly mourned him seem to be judged guilty of poor taste. His public life should have ended with his abdication. How tactless of him to draw further attention to himself by actually dying. Yeah. And that... (laughs) What a weird... Yeah. ...concept. I feel like that's a... It's a side effect of shade and shrewd making sure verity is well received as king mm-hmm. in waiting yeah you know since verity is oh he verity's actually obviously a great choice for king and yeah he's gonna be amazing maybe even better than chivalry was people will then think that chivalry is actually garbage yeah like he he should have he should stay out in the country he should not yeah. be brought up again and it's probably also a little bit to do with the fact that Queen Desire doesn't like him oh, yeah. and is probably totally looking down on people for mourning, which yep. would have a, you know, have repercussions. Yeah, that trickle down of just like, oh, the queen doesn't think anything about this. Yep. I don't think anything about this. Mm-hmm. Plus people like Birik who are totally in mourning and just scaring everybody yeah. away. <laughs> well, he's a little intense. He's a bit of a drama queen. Understandably so, because someone close to him died. But... Still, he's turning it up to 10. And then after a week, Shade finally invites Fitz back up for another lesson. Yeah, which I have to assume that this week absence was probably because it would be hard to see Fitz right now. 100%. He looks just like his dad. Shade was very good friends with Chivalry. Yes. And I do want to mention that Fitz has... An odd suspension of self that he's felt ever since chivalry's death. And I kind of want to attest to that. I don't have any immediate family that has passed away for me personally, Mm -hmm. but grandparents have um, and some people I knew in general. And it it is a weird feeling where you don't think it's real. You're just kind of like going through the motions a little bit. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay. And I just want to say that that description is fully relatable in general so but uh shade invites him up Mm -hmm. and kind of sits him down and talks to fitz they don't really have a lesson i think shade knows that fitz is struggling a little bit because you know his it is the death of his dad and Maybe he doesn't realize how much anger is there between Fitz and his father, but... It comes out in this conversation. Yeah, for for sure. sure. Fitz is incredibly angry. (laughs) Um, And not super well placed. I mean, he's probably... He's angry at his father for not having met him, not spending any time, not knowing him. Mm -hmm. And now he doesn't have the chance. Yeah. So he's dealing with this loss through anger. He directs it at Birik for cutting his hair. Uh Uh-huh. Because it looks stupid. Yeah. (laughs) And he finds out instead of, you know, somebody mourning a king, his hair is cut for a boy mourning his father. Mm Mm-hmm. And 
Fitz didn't really know that. He just kind of assumed that Beer cut his hair because of his own selfish, like, you're mourning a king now because chivalry was a king to me. Yeah. But it doesn't stop Fitz from being angry still. It makes it worse. He's yeah. more mad now. And, you know. He's very, he's very frustrated and he's lashing out with, with stupid words of like, oh, he got me on some woman and then left me alone, that sort of thing. He never cared about me. Yeah. And Shade is just kind of accepting everything and has a deep, quiet sorrow to him. And he says, you don't know that. You only hear what the gossips say. You aren't old enough to understand some things. You've never seen a wild bird lure predators away from its young by pretending to be injured. And he also says later, when you're a man, maybe you'll understand just how much that cost him to not know you in order to keep you safe, to make his enemies ignore you. And Fitz does learn that. Yeah, firsthand. Yeah. He uh, has to pretend he's dead and not know his daughter at all. Yeah. So and people then, won't know that it is his daughter. And then when he figure, and when Nettle figures out that Fitz is alive and his, and is his, her dad, he still has to keep distance. Yep. Like he can't really do anything and it, it kills both of them. Mm-hmm. And she's mad at him and yeah. it just kind of mirrors each other. It's, <laughs> in, yeah. in a, I want to say in a nice way, but it's, it's a miserable way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just the the fact that he has to do this later is kind of a nice little throwback, I guess. <laughs> or I guess this is a foreshadowing. Um, depends on how you look at it. And Jade asks what he wants to know about chivalry, and Fitz is like, what do you know about him? <laughs> well, he does say everything, first of all, which I think yeah. is interesting because of how angry he is right now and just how kind of mean he's being at his dad's expense. Um, it was surprising that he then wanted admitted that he wants to know everything. And I think it just shows that he's not actually mad. He's just hurt that he doesn't get to know his dad. Yeah. And Shade says that he and Chivalry have worked together hand in glove um, all throughout his life. And Fitz asks, which one were you? And I think Shade has a... I know it's, you know, crafted dialogue by Robin Hobb, but it's such a good, like, response to it. Mm-hmm. It's the hand. The hand that moves unseen, cloaked by the velvet glove of diplomacy. And... This section here is where Fitz finally realizes what he's learning. Yeah. He just had a death that directly affects him. So Mm -hmm. he's thinking on death. He's thinking on what his father could be and everything that he did. And now that he's been trained by Shade, this topic is being brought up again, that there are things that can be done to make somebody more pliable or amenable to your thoughts and decisions. Yeah. And of course, Fitz goes directly to uh, killing somebody, basically. Says, you mean one man can die and his successor can be easier to negotiate with because of it. More amenable to our cause because of fear or because of gratitude. Yes. And 
shade has to be like, oh, or a man can live. Yeah. (laughs) Or you can cure a baby from a sickness or it's not all death. (laughs) And shade becomes incredibly hurt by this because he says, like, I've never lied to you about it, which is true. But he was like 11 years old. Yeah, true. And it is a little um, shady. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I think he told him what he was doing to begin with. But whenever you're giving him these fun tasks of little pranks, basically, I don't think... That you're is you're distracted. How, yeah, it's not yeah. at the forefront of your mind. No, you're not thinking about how this could be the death of somebody later. No, <laughs> that's yeah. why you're learning it. So, yeah, instead of stealing shears, you could be, you know, stealing medicine from somebody that needs it every hour and then returning uh-huh. it. Of returning it late, so it looks like they they just up. didn't take it or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it is interesting that he is hurt by the fact that Fitz is kind of disgusted by the idea of killing people because that's what he's been doing his whole life. Yeah. So, yeah, I just, I don't know. It's just kind of like a mirror shown up to Shade's life and Shade's like, I thought you liked me and Mm -hmm. I told you everything about me. Yeah. And I'm I'm sure it's incredibly lonely for him because one, he can't really talk to anybody. No. And two, he's looked at as a tool by his brother Mm -hmm. as an assassin. Yeah. And I don't know. It's And then to have somebody kind of judge you that you would let into your heart. It yeah. would be hard. And we do see later that Fitz struggles with the same thing. He is too scared to tell people that he loves who he really is. Yeah. Because he doesn't want them to <laughs> judge him. So But again it turns to Fitz being warned that his life is even more in danger now because yes. chivalry's largesse his his presence there is no longer protecting fits mm-hmm. he has to be associated with the crown now otherwise he's just a rogue illegitimate son that can be used basically yeah so there people are going to be watching him to see how he reacts um to see if he gets any big ideas to step into chivalry's place and it says uh shade says will you become a problem now the way he was referring to chivalry mm-hmm. and i'm curious of what do you think the problem chivalry was like why why do you think that chivalry was a problem i think he's referring to the fact that chivalry stepped down from the throne abdicated the throne because just upset the balance in general or well so we know that chivalry is the one who decided to abdicate and that people weren't happy about it And he was going to be a great king, even with this misstep, and people could have overlooked it. And I think that was his, like, that was him being a problem instead of fulfilling his duty and finding a diplomatic way to have Fitz there. He bowed out and let his brother take over the throne so that he didn't have to put Fitz in more danger by staying on throne. Yeah. So so, what do you think the parallel for Fitz would be then? Like, how would not he doing that his problem? duty? Okay. So, like, Fitz deciding to even just work with Fedrin, 
um, as a scribe instead right. of staying to become an assassin to be used by the king yeah. could be seen as not doing his duty. That's pretty parallel to my thoughts as well. Mm-hmm. Um, mine were more general of like chivalry upset everything in that he kept all the duchies together. So people trying to scheme and, and trying to get ahead of one another really couldn't because everything was kind of perfectly in place. When he stepped down, he upset that status quo. And if Fitz tries to get big ideas, do something other than what the king has asked of him of be just like, you know, an illegitimate son sitting in court doing just learning basic prince things. Yeah. But not a big influence. Like if he foregoes that and does something, then that would upset and be a problem as well. So I don't. Kind of, kind of the same thing that you had. Yeah. Shade uh, then directs the conversation. Yes. And says, well, Shade doesn't do it, but he directs it after Fitz asks, how did my father die? Right. And, <laughs> and Shade's like, well, didn't you hear? He fell from a horse. And Fitz is like, and I heard Beric curse the man who told it, saying that chivalry would not fall, nor would that horse throw him. And, then- and Shade, Shade immediately says, Beric needs to guard his tongue. I love Beric and Shade so much together. I know we don't get to see them interact together till later, but they're just so different. Yeah. But yeah. they're both extremely similar they both are so loyal and have such a strong idea of duty they just completely have completely different ideas yeah way different (laughs) ideas of communication in general (laughs) or what they think that duty means yep (laughs) or how to you know act it's i don't know so this little showing of um bjork needs to guard his tongue it just oh it's so funny to me (laughs) once in a while i'll hear emma laugh out loud in the middle of reading a chapter (laughs) I get enjoyment from this book. (laughs) And Shade kind of just basically waits. I don't think he fell from his horse either. And then he kind of like waits for Fitz to Mm -hmm. kind of fill in some gaps. And then um, says, Fitz asks, are they going to kill me too? And, And Shade's like, I don't know. Not if I can help it. I think they must first convince King Shrewd it is necessary. If they do that, I shall know of it. And then from that response, Fitz knows that it came from within the castle, the orders, because they have mm-hmm. to convince King Shrewd to do yeah. anything. So does this mean that King Shrewd knew chivalry was being killed? I don't think so. Okay. I don't believe so in general. I think that that was mentioned for Fitz because Fitz is getting taught directly by Shade mm-hmm. under King Shrewd's direct guidance. Okay. And like directive. I think chivalry was basically like, you're out to Withy Woods now, govern there, stay out of sight. Don't yeah. do anything. And he didn't like have a direct purpose after okay. that. And since he was so far from the king, it was easier to right. get rid of him. Yeah. So I think that the direct like conversation of killing Fitz would have to go through the king because he would be so well protected and he would like turn the castle inside out to try to find who's assassinating his royal family now. Yeah. Because that'd be two deaths. Yeah. It would be a little suspicious. Yeah. 
As though falling from a horse when you're a great writer and dying isn't suspicious, but. um. Uh, Fitz says, yes, I think it came from within the keep. Uh, I knew nothing of it before it happened. I had no hand in it anyway. They didn't even approach me about it, probably because they know I would have done more than just refuse. I would have seen to it that it never happened. And Fitz relaxes a little bit because in his mind, hearing like, Shade is the master assassin. He's the king's advisor. Mm-hmm. He would know about all these things um, before they're done. And hearing Shade admit that he didn't do it, Fitz can kind of relax like, oh, he actually wasn't part of it. Yeah. I'm not betrayed again by <laughs> one of my friends. Do you think Fitz thought before this conversation about maybe his dad being assassinated? Because we know that he obviously had heard Burek saying that he couldn't have fallen from his horse but do you think it really crossed his mind until he's face to face with the guy who could have been responsible I don't think so Mm -hmm. um Fitz is still pretty young and I don't think he's particularly thinking of Regal and the Queen as enemies enough to Mm -hmm. kill their own family okay well yeah so I think he was thinking it was an outside influence um, or enemies or something like that, like something vague, maybe out islanders. Oh, so you mean like because the him being killed meant it would have to go through the king. He realized maybe maybe Shade it went through it. the king. Yeah. The first time. OK, yeah. I see what you mean. And Shade kind of reassures him that, yes, it if it went through the king, it would have to go through me. And I would have seen that it would have never happened. So he kind of can relax and be like, okay, then because Shade says that, it kind of leads him to his next point and says that your father's death should be all the warning you need now or ever. You're a bastard boy. We're always a risk and a vulnerability. So he another hint that he's a royal bastard. As well, That yeah. Fitz doesn't really pick up on. But that kind of leads Fitz... Hearing that it didn't go through the king, it didn't go through shade, but it had to come from within the castle. It had to have resources and stuff. Mm-hmm. Kind of leads him to say the queen. Uh huh. Yeah. So, so fit, like Fitz puts this all together, but shade like walks him through, gives him all the vocal and conversational hints to it. Right. And shade then is like, "That's a dangerous assumption to make." Even more dangerous if you think you must act in it, on it some way. Mm-hmm. And he's like, when you spring to an idea and decide it is truth without evidence, you blind yourself to other possibilities. Consider them all. And he goes through a couple things. And Fitz is like, you don't believe any of those. And he's like, no, I don't. But I also have no evidence to say it was the queen. Yes. <laughs> you gotta wink, have evidence. Wink. I mean, she is the queen, so she does have some protection if there's no evidence. Right, exactly. But I think this portion is really interesting because at the same time of him leading Fitz to finding this answer, he is also kind of helping him work through the grief a little bit and giving him somebody to talk to. Definitely. So that's just really nice to see. Although I don't like that he he tells a you know young child a teen 
Um, if you ever make it so they don't need you, they will kill you. And then he's like, but they don't need me now. (laughs) Oh, oh, Fitz. Unnecessarily worried. And also planting treasonous thoughts in a young boy's head. (laughs) But also told him not to act on anything. I mean, sure. Fitz says that it kind of instilled in him a greater wariness. Mm -hmm. of the queen and then real summer kind of comes his hair grows out a little bit longer and he was sent off to the town for more errands but he came soon to see that no matter who sent me one or two items on the list wound up in shade's quarters Uh so i guessed who was behind my little belts of freedom so it's kind of confirmed from you know previous episode we were kind of wondering who sent him on it fedrin or shade and Uh It's through Fedrin, but Shade ultimately told him to, and eventually, mm-hmm. you know, a couple things ended up, because those weird items that a scribe didn't need, <laughs> but maybe a, a master assassin and the king's advisor needed. <laughs> How does he get the items? That's what I want to know, because obviously Fitz is bringing these items in full to whoever he ran the errands for. Yeah, I don't know. So I don't. I want to know how Shade... Number one gets the items on the list, but number two gets the items out of the bag because presumably he's not running around the keep just <laughs> willy nilly. Maybe he, maybe Fitz was directed to drop him into one of the closets that opens up to the keep's walls. Well, no, because I, <laughs> I feel like that would be a dead giveaway. <laughs> maybe. And he doesn't realize until he sees that they're ending up. In True. The, yeah, I, in shades. Shade is mysterious. He is. Who knows? Huh. He has secrets. Uh, there's another mention here of summer finally in full bloom, and with it coming out islanders, mm-hmm. and they are traders as well as the raiders. So they bring like their exotic, you know, uh, goods and wares to sell, but also there are raiders here and they're you know even more like terrible than usual um yes and before we talk about that i did just want to quick point out a funny thing (laughs) that uh fitz is regularly going to molly's store and just standing outside of it until she notices him and then leaving (laughs) if they can't yeah if if they can't see each other while he's in town he just kind of like waits at the window while when she's done with the customer not saying anything (laughs) what a weirdo (laughs) i'm surprised that molly ever gives him a chance after that (laughs) but sorry i just wanted to point out that weird Weird teenage boy activity. Uh, it does mention that the Out Islanders ships evade the patrols with ease. Yes. And they struck where they were least expecting it, basically, mm-hmm. which is more evidence of the Pale Woman's influence and the sight that she's able to see, like, where people are. Yeah. And where to hit. And I don't know, like, if that's just her premonitions, because yeah. that's, it's so specific, or if it's uh, Kebel Robred's, like, skill, because he does have skill. Well, does he? Yeah, it's mentioned later when he's, like, basically a forged one himself that he has intense skill power, I'm pretty sure. Oh, 
I didn't remember that. I was going to say I that I thought it was probably like um that the white woman had been studying the prophecy library mm, probably yeah. and I'm sure all the different paths have been written down so she probably knows which path to take to get to the True. correct um day to the right duchy to attack during which season i'm just curious because that's it's a lot of raids like they it's yeah. not just one ship going around it's multiple ships and they have to strike at different points so mm-hmm. well i don't know i mean she was being backed by the whites oh yeah and so she had a ton of resources so it wouldn't surprise me if she had like a copy of like if this bluebird flies this day that means like something super obscure the way the whites work could be just like spies in general or that yeah um the queen might be in conversation with them at this point mhm but and why would the queen regal. why would they be trying to weaken the outer duchies because eventually it'll have to come into the inner or because the inland they, they don't care they want the uh. inner duchies to be the capital remember yeah but like can't have a capital of a kingdom if there's no kingdom yeah but regal did the same thing they don't care about the coast really i guess they, they, like, just... they really don't care about the coast I know, it's just so weird to me because i don't know it it makes sense but it also is like why aren't you using your brain <laughs> yeah. oh so i'm kind of wondering if it was if they do have that high spy at the at the moment like that high placed yeah I don't know. Could be. No one. It says no one spoke against Verity yet, but it was unsettling that no one spoke out strongly for him either. And it's, you know, not Verity's fault. He's writing to defense and, and things like that, but these people have advantages that we don't know about. The Six Duchies doesn't know about at yeah. the moment. And it says, boyishly, I viewed the raids as something impersonal to me. Well, Fitz, you're going to see it firsthand pretty soon here. Yeah. Um, but secure at Buckkeep, he felt fine, and it was just kind of like going on with his summer, yeah. basically. It's just a thing that happened. Yep. Time passed, and while people were still mourning, you know, specifically Beric, mm-hmm. probably, the whole other castle had moved on, yeah. and it was kind of getting on with daily life. And just... One lesson, one random lesson with Beric. All of a sudden, he has to learn manners. Yeah, which like courtly manners. Oh, I love that. I love their talk so much leading into this because you know Beric's like, "I'm going to teach you manners," and Fitz is like, "With horses," and instead of saying, "No, you idiot," <laughs> Beric is like, "No, you already have those." <laughs> horse manners has to be a class he teaches right he has to have like little horse manners lessons gotta be polite you know (laughs) (laughs) ask them before you put anything on their back (laughs) i love it i just like the idea that burek teaches horse lessons like her horse manner lessons (laughs) it says uh because for reasons i don't understand you're to accompany verity when he goes to neat bay to see duke kelvar of Ripon. Yes. And he kind of goes into a lengthy explanation and Fitz kind of grasps this situation immediately because he's super well trained by Shade and has heard gossip about this and everything. Yes. Um, and 
a basic rundown is because the duchies have autonomy over their own defenses. Um, there's this one point where a watchtower is neighboring uh, the duchy next door to it. Mm-hmm. That's basically there that gives signals off to warn that raiders are coming because the duchy next to it doesn't have such a high point or defensible location. Right. And the uh, the duke is not manning that tower. And so raiders are attacking the next door neighbor's shores often. And this duke is like, why can't he protect me? Like, why can't he help me out? He's supposed to be manning this. Yeah. And the other duke, his lands don't get raided often just based off of the... Like like, the geography. It's like rocky and stuff He just happens to have a less raided. Although it seems that it's just the southern coast where this... Right. Tower is that seems to be rated less because we do know that um, later that they have come to inlands near where this duke lives. Yeah. So. And there's some other politics in there and and thrown in there in that conversation and the description. Mm -hmm. But in general, you know, this is a pretty big deal because these raiders are getting the best of six duchies. And if. You know, the lords of these duchies are coming to the king like, help me say to this lord that he needs to do his job to protect all of us as well. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a big deal. Yeah. So falls on Beric to uh, learn this and try to teach Fitz the, the pleasantries and the manners to go along with Verity's retinue when he goes. Mm-hmm. To, so, he can, so he can fit in, basically. So he can be polite and put forth a good showing because Beric's all like, I, you know... I need to do this, so Chivalry's son looks awesome. <laughs> yes. And this is where shit This is where Fitz realizes that Burek kinda sees him as slightly slow. Yeah. Cause he like goes in depth and talks to him about like specific like this is how you do this. Uh-huh. This is how you do this. And Fitz is like, just because I don't talk very much, he assumes that I don't like learn very fast or very mm-hmm. inquisitive or anything well this is like memorizing <laughs> my silences he mistook for a lack of wit rather than a lack of any need to speak and i mean it is kind of weird that he doesn't speak <laughs> but that's the wit yeah I mean, he doesn't need to he knows yeah. how you're feeling he doesn't have to talk to you to figure it out but oh i just love that bjork is like you would have learned this if you were if you paid any attention to anything yeah. and Fitz is just like, yep, <laughs> not going to argue with you. Let's just go through this lesson, old man. <laughs> and for sure, Fitz doesn't know everything about this. No, um, he doesn't care about manners. No, he doesn't really care. I can only imagine this is because Burek has had to sit near Fitz at a table for the past three years <laughs> and watching him wolf down his food like a monster. His meat and bread. He learned from the best. Birk probably does the same. Uh-huh. He probably eats like a soldier in the mess halls and Birk is like, no, <laughs> that's not gonna fly. Fitz starts to daydream a bit and Birk kind of uh, reprimands him, but at the end uh, shows his true thoughts about this. And he's, ah, Fitz, what am I to do with you? How can I protect you when you invite troubles on yourself? And why do they want to take you off like this anyways? 
And it it is true. Like Beric just lost chivalry under very mysterious circumstances being mm-hmm. said he was thrown from his horse when Beric was his horse guy and knew that one, the horse would never do that, and chivalry was probably an amazing rider. Yes. So he's like, okay, so chivalry was killed, and now my charge, chivalry's son, is getting sent off alone yeah. for no reason that I have no idea why. Yeah. Why? Why is this happening? And he's he's worried because yeah. he cares about Fitz. You can't he, protect him. Yeah. He thinks that while Fitz is here, he can protect him, which is really sweet. Not true, but very sweet that he does. He does beat up Galen later, though. True. He, he is, does protect him a little bit. <laughs> he, he is a protector. I'm not saying that he can't protect <laughs> from most things. But, I mean, if somebody poisons Fitz or something, I don't think Burek could protect him from that. But it is very sweet. And I love that Burek is showing his sentimental side, which happens rarely. But this whole time, Fitz is just like, you know, oh, maybe I get to I get to travel. I'm daydreaming and stuff. So Fitz finally realizes that Burek is actually worried about him. And then he kind of insinuates that ooh, Verity, Verity likes me taking care of Leon as well. I'm pretty good at that. Mm-hmm. So Beric's like, oh yeah, of course that is. Yeah, he's just and trying he's to grasp at. He's trying yeah. to grasp at anything that makes sense why Fitz would be going along, and uh-huh. he just kind of grasps at the first thing. Even though I'm sure Verity has been taking care of his own dog forever, <laughs> so. or has other people. Yeah. <laughs> but then Beric kind of uh, goes into a long lecture about taking care of wolfhounds as well, which and, is so Beric to yeah. like immediately forget any of the other the things manners. he's supposed to be doing, <laughs> and to immediately focus on the animals. Like, okay, son, as though Fitz has never had to take care of a I'm greyhound. Sure, I'm sure he had to. Uh, hear this lecture about three times from oh. Beric before this oh, as yeah. well when he was like eight years old so uh-huh. um but Fitz is daydreaming now he's like thinking about traveling this uh-huh. is something that he's wanted for a while and um Hod was threatening him because he wasn't focusing and you uh-huh. know he just kind of gets dismissed from all of these things and it takes another like two days before Shade calls him up to talk about it in general Mm-hmm. But before Shade calls him up. Yeah, um, he's, he's so distracted that he's like walking through the woods back from some lessons. He takes a long way back and gets stopped yeah. in his tracks. By the king's fool. Yeah. <sighs> I'm so excited. <laughs> so he's very astonished, obviously, because he's never seen the fool outside. Um, he thinks like... Probably on gossip that the fool like can't go outside, basically. Which is such a weird thing for people to think, because I don't think we've ever seen any evidence that the fool doesn't like being outside. And from what we know later, he likes it outside. So why would everyone just assume he can't even be near the light of day? It's probably because of what we see later. He's chased by like some of the boys of the keep and Mm. like harassed and because stuff. he's so different he, yeah so he probably just stays inside the whole time i would guess that's fair okay i didn't think about that that's a little sad yeah not not just like physically but like you know yeah he just doesn't want to go outside because bad things are out there yeah <laughs> at the moment Aww. uh but he does go outside but he does go outside yeah so he scares fits 
Fitz is like kind of afraid of him a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get the first description of the fool's hair, which yeah. I know is super weird, but that's my favorite descriptor of the fool. Just like when it talks about his dandelion fluff hair, it just gives me such a pleasing image. <laughs> just such like a light floating hair that's uh-huh. like really thin and kind of thin yeah. and fine. And just, I don't know something about that description. Every time I read it, just like, it's like, ah, oh, yes, the perfect descriptor. <laughs> but now that he's in the sun, Fitz can see that his skin is so pale that it's slightly pinkish because you can see the blood underneath. Yeah, which is kind of gross. That is very creepy. Like, he's creepy. Yeah. It says that he has a smile like small separate white teeth like a baby's smile in a kid's face. I hate that. <laughs> yeah, none of his teeth are touching at the moment. That's so weird. Yeah, that is really weird. <laughs> but he goes into extreme detail of these eyes yeah. that are just slightly blue very pale, as if a single drop of pale blue wax had fallen onto a white platter, mm-hmm. which is kind of romantic. <laughs> oh my god. They're children, it's yeah. fine. Well, Fitz is a child. <laughs> the fool's like in his 20s or 30s. So. He's, yeah, he's probably like upper 20s or 30s or something right now, but he's still ending his childhood he as well. Is, like, like, that's still childhood for him. Kind of like Hobbit's just lives a long time so he's still technically a kid but i don't know i just thought it's cute that he's and the first thing he says is fits 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 feist fits fats fits (laughs) and then gives him a smile (laughs) yep and Fitz is just like what and then he again holds his finger up and he's like fits fits fix feist fits fats fitzes And he's kind of like waiting for Fitz to do something. Uh And he assumes that he's like kind of stupid. Yeah, like, oh, you don't. Yes, I am Fitz. Me, Fitz. (laughs) Me, Fitz. (laughs) You you lost. (laughs) Little Tarzan moment. (laughs) Yeah. And. The fool is, like, incredibly frustrated with this, obviously, because we all know that he's super intelligent. Right. And can talk straight at this moment. <laughs> and then he says, Fitz. Fitz, Fitzes, Fices, Fitz. Fats, Fitzes. And Fitz is like, uh-oh, it's fine. It, yep, uh-huh. He totally. crouches a little bit. Yeah. He's, like, Which is, calming he, like a dog, like, hey. Uh-huh. Everything's fine. <laughs> Come this way. Yeah, come we'll along, get man. Home. Come along. <laughs> and I just love that after Fitz is like, oh, you know, the third time he said this thing, Fitz isn't getting it. So he just drops his hands. He lifted his face and rolled his eyes with the heavens, which is so like has to be what the fool will forever do to Fitz anytime yeah, he has a conversation just... with him. <laughs> He's like, no, he said quite plainly in an exasperated voice. Listen to me, you idiot. Fits, fixes, fices, fits. Fat suffices. And, Which is. And Fitz is like, what? 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 I just love that, like, the fool is so frustrated. And it's not as though he's saying anything that makes sense. No, it doesn't. They're just words strung together. Yeah. And he's like, you idiot. It's obvious. <laughs> and then he elaborates and enunciates like plainly. And we get the full like sentence. Um, 
that fits, fixes, fice, fits. Fat suffices. <laughs> and Fitz is like his inner monologue is how do you politely explain to someone that you had believed for years that he was a moron as well as a fool? I couldn't. So what does all this stuff mean? Are you making fun of me? Which he's asked all the time <laughs> to the fool. Are you making fun of me? Uh huh. Because he just doesn't. Because he get is it. as well. Yeah. But um, just real quick, do you think that the reason the Fitz was saying all these different iterations of the same thing is because he's kind of translating it in his head from a different language. And so he's trying to make it make sense. Is it just, he has a heavy accent? Like why does it take so long to get to maybe the final version? But I keep going back like, cause yeah. What, how many versions does he say? He says, let's see. Um, one, two, three, four, five, and then the sixth one, he finally says the full thing, and it's fully spelled out in the words as well uh-huh. as correct, where it says fits, fixes, feists, fits, fat suffices. I think, personally, it's because the fool is very cautious about his dreams and the prophecies. Mm-hmm. This is the first time he's talking to his catalyst. Right. He doesn't know what the catalyst is going to do. He doesn't know how much influence he has. And he, as the prophet, does not want to influence the catalyst to a specific thing because that could change the path that it's meant to go on. Right. Because I think later they have conversations where, like, the fool's like, I don't I don't know how much I can do or how much I can tell you because you need to do this on your own. Yeah. So I think he's giving him misleading and slurred together words to hope Fitz can piece something together later. Uh-huh. And then he's but like, Fitz oh my is God, like so, you're so stupid dumb. and like dull about this that he's like, oh no, you're the idiot. <laughs> this is what I am saying. Yep. Now I see, me. now I see that you think I'm the idiot, yeah. but au contraire. <laughs> so, so fool is finally getting his awakening of like, oh my God, I'm dealing with a moron. <laughs> <laughs> So he has to spell this out for Fitz and Fitz still like puts it out of his mind and he still does his own thing without even thinking of what Mm -hmm. the fool like was saying later. Like he does this whole thing with Lady Grace and her little feist, the dog and saves the dog and Fitz doesn't even think about this conversation at all Uh because it's so random and Fitz is like, oh, that was weird. Let's keep going. Yeah. I guess, yeah. I just was wondering, because I know later um, we get to see, in the final books, we get to see B whenever she has a vision that's coming true, Mm -hmm. and how she's kind of guided through. She is, like, kind of forced to, like, have an out-of-body experience where she kind of just does what's happening. So I was wondering if maybe this is one of those, or if this is him trying to kind of just so you know fat suffices like no, that's that's actually a good point too because it could be that where like the fool is just getting kind of forced to say these words and he doesn't mm-hmm. really know what he's saying either until he repeats it himself a couple times yeah and he gets more clarity each time he says it and he's like okay i understand it yeah after like the second or third time but Fitz doesn't so let me enunciate <laughs> uh-huh no, that, Which, that, that could make sense. Because I was thinking it would, like, explain why he would be so far away from the castle, especially right. if he feels danger going outside. Right. Just, like, 
He has to he, meet in there. Yeah, he just feels pulled to that area to mm-hmm. say this thing, and he's, like, compelled to do it. But it could also be... I liked your theory, too, so... Like a little combination of both of them there, that mm-hmm. he was led there, and those words got pulled out of him, but he he understands that the first couple times, maybe, of what he's trying to say, or yeah. the, the visions are trying to get out of him, but then he can't, like... Leave it alone, too because... too much away, yeah. because maybe... Fitz will redirect something that he doesn't want to happen. Mm-hmm. But it works out for the best. Yeah. Um, so uh, he kind of says, like, uh, it's a message, I believe, a calling for a significant act. As you are the only one I know who endures being called Fitz, I believe it's for you. As for what it means, how should I know? I'm a fool, not an interpreter of dreams. Good day. And that is... Total lies. Yep. He is literally an interpreter of dreams. Like, that's uh-huh. what he does. He dreams about these things and yep. tries to enact those dreams. Yep. Yeah. It's definitely funny to read. I'm not an interpreter of dreams, as though he didn't get trained um, to do just that. But he kind of steps off the path, disappears, and Fitz can't find him. So he's like, oh, put it out of my mind. It's a silly message. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm going to travel soon. It doesn't matter. <laughs> okay, this might be really stupid, but do you think I don't know. Maybe she hadn't had this planned already, but like do you think the fool stepping off the path was symbolic? This is the English major in me. Mm. The blue means sadness, not yes. <laughs> just the sky color. <laughs> that could be that could be true. Like, like just a little throw yeah, I don't know. Because, I don't know, the you're path is so big later. Yeah, you're stepping he, off a, a main worn path through the forest. Yeah. And the fool is the one who is stepping off into the unknown where, like, you can't see any passage of him going. Yeah. That's interesting. I don't know. Maybe just a dumb thing. Again, probably just from all my days English-ing. <laughs> but... Trying to read into something? Yeah. <laughs> That's a cool little thing, though. I like it. So, uh, yeah, like I mentioned before, two days later, he gets a call up. Um, Well, I guess it's a day. It says not that night, but the next. So he has to wait a full day of anticipation before Shade calls him up. They go through a lesson, and Fitz knows not to interrupt him to ask about anything. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, Shade tries to get some advice from Fitz. Maybe just because he's exhausted every other avenue of how to beat the Red Ship Raiders. Because mm-hmm. he's asking, what would you do if uh, a ruffian is walking up behind you and rapping you on the head? And Fitz is like, well, I'd pretend to be meek and then I'd turn around and hit him harder. Yeah. And Shade's like, well, we tried that. It doesn't work. They know when we're doing that. <laughs> so it's, it's a direct thing of what's happening with the Raiders. and. You can kind of see the frustration in Shade's tone, and he's just kind of muttering aloud about this to his 13-year-old apprentice. Like, uh-huh. I need to fix this somehow, but I'm not getting any anywhere. Mm-hmm. So maybe a 13-year-old will help me in new perspective. Yeah, you know when you're, like, really exasperated and you're like, well, what? let's just try it, you know? Yep. <laughs> so you can kind of see, like, how bad these raids are getting. Yeah, In and general. we we do get a sense of a why it's different um, because we know it's worse this summer, but we kind of because we're limited to fits, don't know 
why it's so much worse. We just know that they're hitting more, uh, more towns, but it doesn't super make sense until we're told that um, before it's kind of known and planned for. These raids are all known. We're planning for them. It's like yeah. an unspoken agreement. They don't go. They don't destroy too much, and we put up a fight if they try. Yeah. But now these people are sneaking around and hitting the weakest points every single time and not even taking or leaving what they're not taking. They're destroying yeah. everything that they leave behind. And that's not normal. And that would be really frustrating mm-hmm. because that's, you know, the food supply for winter and yeah. the you know, the farms that have all the things that you need for later that are now being destroyed completely. <laughs> so big source of frustration for them. Mm-hmm. And they've they fooled a couple of the other regular raiders, but Chade calls out the red ship raiders. We've we've never been able to, you know, do anything against them. So Yeah. Says it makes no sense. Um and he kind of sets it aside and focuses completely back on Fitz and then straight up says, you know, you'll be accompanying Verity when he goes to reason with Lord Kelver at Neat Bay. And Fitz is like, why am I going? And Shay's like, oh, didn't you want to travel? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Remember when you said you wanted to travel? And then Shay's like, yeah, uh, Verity doesn't really pay attention to who's going in his retinue. He has no patience with the details, and hence none of chivalry's genius for handling people. And it's another mention of how Verity lacks compared to chivalry. Yeah. And it, it, this keeps getting brought up over and over again, which I'm seeing more and more in this reread that we're doing. Uh-huh. That Shade, although he absolutely adored chivalry and likes Verity, and is still Verity's going to be the king. Mm-hmm. He doesn't approve of Verity being the next king, really. Right. He, he doesn't have that subtlety. Yeah. Because he doesn't have the sense of people. And yeah. that's what Shade's all about. He's all about pulling the little strings to make the bigger picture come together. And Verity could care less Verity's about the little a soldier, strings. And he can command soldiers and command yeah. their loyalty and respect, but... Yeah, he just doesn't have the diplomacy skills. Mm-hmm. Which is fair. Like, some people just aren't people. Pe- uh, they're just not good with talking to people. They've told Verity that that Fitz is trained as a spy. Not the extent of his training, but that he's there as a spy to mm-hmm. gather information, basically. Yeah. And that's why Fitz is going, according to Verity. Um, his task, though, is to take care of Lady Time and then... Leon the Wolfhound, Verity's dog, as well. But Fitz is very preoccupied. Is like, will I have to kill somebody? And Shade's like, maybe. You'll have to decide. Because uh, Shade's kind of worried that Lord Kelver actually might be a traitor. Because he's leaving that tower unmanned, allowing the next door duchy to get raided all the time. Mm Mm-hmm. So they really need to investigate this and find out the meaning and the root cause. And if that is Lord Kelvar, he needs to disappear. Yeah. He needs to go away. And it's his kind of first big task or test, I guess, where he's actually going to have the opportunity um, to potentially 
kill. This is his own decision. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes me wonder how often it's Shade's decision. Like if this person turns out to be worse than we think, go ahead and kill him. But up to you, you know, when I read this the first time, I just assumed assassin means you get a target's name and uh, then you just kill that target. But now we see that there's a little bit more. Yeah, it's left up to their discretion. Yeah. And they lean heavily on Shade's teachings of Fitz. Mm-hmm. Um, near the end of this, we do get mentioned that for Shade, it was just the telling of him of who to kill. Yeah. For his first time. They don't like talking about it, though. So no. <laughs> we'll, we'll save that for a yeah. little bit in a page or two. But I also think it's interesting that Lady Time is coming. But there's no mention mm-hmm. of who that is exactly. Just that it's this, it's just some old lady you got to take care of. Don't worry about it. But probably because it's so Shade can spy on him to make sure that he's making good choices, I would assume. But it's just another layer of intrigue. Yeah. <laughs> Shade kind of goes through this whole rundown of the mission. He briefs Fitz, and Fitz is just very calm. And it says, And the means? I was not sure that was my voice. It was so casual, so contained. So in his mind, he's thinking like, Oh my god, I might have to kill somebody? Like, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm first of all, traveling, super excited. Second of all, I have to make decisions on the future of the kingdom. And I might have to kill somebody. But his training is just coming out and be like, oh, and what it is. is What it is. What it is. What it do. (laughs) (laughs) What it do. (laughs) And his training comes out and is like, all right, what's the means? How do I kill him? And just very casual. And Chay kind of goes down the list. Oh, it won't take that long, but it's not a fast acting. He won't drop dead at the table there. Uh, just put it in his wine. You can't really taste it. Here it is. And he hands him the poison. Uh-huh. And he asks, does Verity know anything of this? And Jade's like, no, he's as good as his name. <laughs> <laughs> he could not sit at a table with the man he was poisoning and conceal it. <laughs> Which I feel like is a little bit of, um, oh, what's the word? Uh, like looking down. Uh, Condescending? Yeah. Like, it's not necessarily a compliment that Verity can't um, sit at the same table of a man he's murdering, as though that would be easy. <laughs> Verity and Beric are much more alike than Shade and Verity. Yes, agreed. And Shade doesn't, like we talked about before with Shade and Beric, like, mm-hmm. he just doesn't see eye to eye on Verity's means of doing things and yeah. getting things done. So That's fair. But yeah, uh, Fitz kind of tries to ask Shade about his history and uh, Shade is very reluctant to say anything about it and says it's a very personal thing Um, I was asked to do it I didn't have the choice is that enough for you and Fitz is like very embarrassed about this and he's like oh yeah that's enough Um, do we not talk about this stuff and Shade's like no and you'll understand why when you have to do it. Yeah. Hmm. See, okay. So I just want to say that whenever I read the line, and it was simply the doing of it, not the deciding if it should be done. Is that enough for you? I, for whatever reason, read that as 
um, the killing, actually killing somebody was the hard part, not deciding if they should have been killed. But I don't think that's how it's supposed to be read. I for sure read it wrong. But I did spend this whole time thinking, what an odd thing to say. (laughs) That doesn't even make sense. It feels like there should be more to that sentence. And now that I've heard you say it out loud, I understand (laughs) that he meant he just had to kill somebody. He wasn't, he didn't have to decide. (laughs) So anyway, just wanted to point out that I made that mistake. And it leaves off that Fitz was 13 years old. Mm Mm-hmm. At this conversation, at this yeah. point. And, okay, that means Shade was, like, 14. He was 14 when he first killed somebody. That's so young. Mm-hmm. Ugh. It's about what Fitz is. Yeah, I don't like it with Fitz either, but it does make me feel a little bit more sympathy towards Shade and how he acts and is, just because he, too, was thrust into this life. And sometimes I think I forget that, just because... He's an adult and he's a mentor to Fitz and it feels as though he has so much control and is doing so much that I forget that this was also a life that he was thrust into. And he does mention before that he didn't get a choice to know what he was learning either. So I'm wondering if he was like trained and then all of a sudden like, hey, stick this powder into this goblet when he's not looking. And then he wound up dead. And that's kind of how he found out or if, yeah. like he found out before his mission. It's like, hey, you're you're going to put this in here. He's going to die. Make sure you're not caught. So it's yeah, that's a rough life to grow up in as a teenager. Yeah, definitely. Interesting chapter, though, setting up, you know, the actual story here. We actually yeah. get some action away from Buckkeep, mm-hmm. away from training. Fitz gets to do something. <laughs> and we got some exciting parts coming up with the Out Islanders and everything like that. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to getting to the next chapters here. Yeah, me too. So would you say Fitz is happy at the end of this? I feel like he's conflicted. He's kind of miserable at the beginning. Because mm-hmm. his dad died and he's angry. Right. But in the middle of the summer, he gets to go to, go to town, see Molly once in a while. And then he learns that he's going to be traveling, has a weird conversation with the fool. Mm-hmm. But then at the end, he learns that he might have to kill somebody. And I feel like he's still excited and happy to get, be leaving Buckkeep, but he's kind of putting his mission out of his mind, you know? Yeah. So I feel like he's happy, but with like a sense of dread in the back of his mind. <laughs> okay, I like it. So in general, I think, yeah. Yeah. For once. Woo. <laughs> I know, for once. Also, um, I want to shout out Nua Michelle. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Um, for sending us um, a DM on Instagram to talk about uh, the conversation about Mir last time. Um, yeah, in episode five. Episode five, we talk about how Fitz calls out Mira and his, or Mir and his sleep um, right before Shade comforts him while he's really suffering from trying to decide whether or not to do the task that's given to him to steal from the king. Um, it, according to Nua Michelle, the German translation 
has him saying mama. And so it makes way more sense that he's calling (laughs) out mom and not saying his mother's name. Um, After being told that the translation in a different language tells us mama, uh, he says mama, I realized, yeah, that makes sense. I don't remember the last time I called out my mother's first name. (laughs) Whenever I needed her. So So he's probably instinctually calling out in the Mountain Kingdom language. Yeah. Just for his mother. Mm-hmm. So we just thought that was a really interesting take. Yeah. Thank you, Michelle. Uh, yeah, thank you. If you have any comments or reflections or any contributing thoughts to these episodes, please feel free to uh, reach out to us. Email us at isfitshappy at gmail.com or leave a comment on our Instagram posts or Facebook or anything like that. We're at isfitshappy on all the social medias. Mm-hmm.